HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Huertas, a Basque-influenced restaurant in NYC's East Village. Learn more at huertasnyc.com. That's H-U-E-R-T-A-S-N-Y-C dot com. This week on Meet and 3, I'm about to go on maternity leave. This is Katie Mosman-Wadler, and before I leave you in the incredibly capable hands of Team HRN, we're rounding out Season 5 with a deep dive into the food rules, weird cravings, and overall hype about eating while pregnant. There are a lot of safe foods to eat, and we shouldn't be sort of assuming that just because something is raw that it's dangerous. I just found myself feeling like there was an alien piloting my body and brain and uh, totally changed the way that I ate. So was it the eggplant? Sure. Why not? I just don't know. Tune in to this week's episode of Meet and 3 anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'll be back soon with our newest and tiniest producer in tow. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Elena Santigade. Happy New Year, everyone. Today, I'm happy to have Adam Moskowitz with me here in the studio. Does Adam even need an introduction? I will try my best. Adam is the executive producer of the Cheesemonger Invitational. He's the owner-operator of Larkin Cold Storage and Columbia Cheese. He's the founder of The Barnyard, a cheesemonger-focused event space at his warehouse. Adam, welcome back to Cutting the Curd. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's talk about the evolution of the more community-based aspects of what you do. First up, Cheesemonger Invitational. You're about to host the next one in San Francisco later this month during the Fancy Food Show. For our listeners who haven't attended one yet... How would you describe this twice-yearly cheese fest? Cheese-a-palooza, uh, I believe you might be calling it. Yeah, I mean, or cheesomania, or uh, cheese nirvana, or the Burning Man of Cheese, or <laughs> a tough mother of cheese. Uh, so first, we're actually, we're, we're doing it now three times a year. So Added a third. Yeah, we added right. a third. So we do West Coast in the winter. Mm-hmm. We do Midwest and Chicago at the end of April. And then we do mm-hmm. New York, East Coast at the end of June. Um, I would, for, for the ticket buyer slash uh, 
guest, the event is we we now open the doors uh, early. So imagine walking into a cheese festival, mm -hmm. if I may, where, where all of our hosts have set up tables and we have some of the finest purveyors of cheese in the world showcasing their, their product, giving mm -hmm. out samples, talking about cheese, meeting cheesemakers. So like we have like special guests like Walter Ross of Holler Hocker nice. or Jamie Montgomery of Montgomery che Cheddar. Cheese royalty here. Yeah. I mean, it, that, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's accurate. Um, but what CMI really is, is a, a spotlight on the cheesemonger, mm -hmm. um, that like the, 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 the backbone of our cheese business is the cheesemonger. They're the ones who, who are the last stop before the mouth. And so for them, it's actually like a three day event. So we right. have a welcome reception for the participating mongers uh, and the hosts. And then we have a day of education where we break the cheesemongers up into small groups mm -hmm. of approximately 10. And we do round table discussions with all up with the platinum hosts. So there's eight sessions. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really cool because like they get to have act, like unfettered access to people like Matteo Keeler yeah. or, or Giorgio Crevero. Um, or In Jason. a small group setting too, it sounds like. Yeah, very yeah. small. I mean, it's very, and, it's, and it has to be a round table. Mm. Um, Jason Hines like um, has made it very important um, for me to make sure that it's a round table. So like everybody's looking at each other. Oh, like literally round. The literally, table is a it has, to, it has to be a circle. I love um, it. It has to be a circle. <laughs> um, and uh, which the day of education seems to be like uh, the highlight mm -hmm. for these cheesemongers. Um, and then and then Sunday, uh, the, the day of the competition is at first a private uh, preliminary competition. So uh, the mongers start with a written test. Then they do a blind taste test. Then they do uh, a new round, which is a blind meat test. Oh. Um, then we do... Uh, Aroma. So there's mm -hmm. six aroma vials that they have to guess what that is. And then we do a cut a quarter pound, wrap a quarter round, wrap a, a eighth and a quarter wheel. Then we do salesmanship, um, which is like a mock um, cheese counter. Then we do uh, perfect beverage, perfect plate, and perfect bite, mm -hmm. where they're signed to cheese and they have to create a perfect beverage and then they have to compose a perfect plate. Uh, it's a slate. It's a round slate by Brooklyn Slate. And then um, and then uh, create about 100 perfect bites, which is like an amuse-bouche of cheese. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, the doors are open, public's coming. Right. Um, and then at like 6 o'clock, we announce the finalists. We have six finalists. And then we do the, the finals, which mm -hmm. is where... Um, this this crazy cow shows up. This guy, Mister yeah. Moo, he's um, wild, 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 wild cow, <laughs> mad cow, mad cow. And then um, we do a uh, speak about your favorite cheese, some trivia, um, and then we actually are adding uh, into twenty twenty uh, speed cut, speed oh, wrap, time and perfect, enters. perfect cut, perfect wrap. So, wow. So yeah, that's the competition. So like, we're basically the the, the ambition of the, the the event is to inspire cheesemongers, uh, bridge community for cheesemongers, mm -hmm. um, and then and then celebrate cheesemongers. Mm. Um, because what we've discovered is that like cheesemongers, um, you know, all over the country are on what we'll call like a cheese island, where right. like they're the cheese messiah, mm. right? And and it's important for them to know that they're part of a community and to give them access to cheese luminaries and, and build uh, cheese relationships. Especially those frontline folks are often, are not often the people who are able to take off 
fly to wherever ACS is, attend that conference, kind of schmooze with people in these like more kind of like salesy professional settings, I feel like. So it really gives them a chance to connect. Yeah, well, and it's, and it's, I, 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 our goal is to keep it a bit more intimate. Like, mm-hmm. I think ACS is really important, but as, as I think you alluded to, ACS has become a, a very big networking opportunity mm-hmm. business wise. Right. Um, it's a meeting place of, of the people doing business. Um, and, and it's actually re- become rather large. Um, we focus on like really kind of, keeping like the mongers participating like in a bubble Mm -hmm. and getting them jazzed and like it's really about like trying to get them like really further impassioned in what the cheese business is all about totally um and then and then obviously with the party give them a chance to like shine right how many uh competitors do you have coming up in san francisco uh we got 40 okay 40 40, which is uh the most we've had for san francisco wow um we got uh 20 from California. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually, interestingly enough, like I've got like one from Alaska, oh, wow. one from DC, two from Florida, one from Georgia, one from Maryland, two from New Orleans, one from West Virginia, wow. two from Ohio, one from Vermont, one from Michigan. So people are like coming, are, are coming out to do this. Yeah. Yeah. This is amazing. Do you, um, you know, in terms of like your goals for what, the Cheesemonger Invitational is right now. How has that changed, if at all, from when you first started? Like, what was your first sort of inspiration for it or the, or the impetus to actually make it happen? And is that is that why you're still doing it today? Uh, the, when I originally wanted to do it, it mm-hmm. was really about me just wanting to throw a party in my warehouse. <laughs> to be, to be a bit simpler. Your yeah. ambitions were pretty straightforward. Yeah, it was really, like, just about, like... You know, during the fancy food show, which is like incredibly uh, cumbersome to participate in, I wanted to like have an event in my mm. warehouse. Um, and at that first event, what was really uh, mind blowing to me was how cheesemongers or cheese professionals were like coming up to me, thanking me mm. for for spotlighting them, and right. that really kind of blew my mind mm. and uh, became the the impetus for wanting to expand it. So like that, that first event was just like a party in my warehouse. There was nine cheesemongers and it was like, we had Rodolphe Le Meunier create a crazy grazing table. We mm-hmm. weren't, we weren't even calling them grazing tables at the right. time. So the term didn't it, exist. That term didn't exist yet. <laughs> and, um, and it was like a competition and a party. Hmm. Um, and then as I, as I realized that the cheesemongers, uh, wanted, needed, enjoyed some love, mm. we, we over time expanded it into the welcome reception, the day of education, um, and then the private competition and then, and the, and then the party. And I guess this is where I want to also highlight that, I, you know, I say competition, but it's really not like a competition. It's more like a cheesemonger obstacle course. Right, right. It's like a tough mutter for cheese totally. people. Um, because what's remarkable is how not cutthroat it really is. Yeah, like you're competing against yourself more. It's almost like a marathon or something, like where you're not like, I'm going to beat that person. You're like, how well am I going to do with this? Exactly. Yeah. So that's, I often use the marathon metaphor mm-hmm. uh, because like... I don't like to run, especially long distances. Yeah. Um, but those that do participate in a marathon, they can't. They can't think they're going to win. Like, right? They're, they're it's not, not about that. It's not. They're not going to win. They're right. challenging themselves right. by participating. Um, and what I often say is, like, we don't judge the cheesemongers. Mm. We score them. Yeah. Good and point. That's a difference, and they get all of their scoring mm-hmm. um, as part of 
their experience so they could see how they did in the various parts of the competition. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the hope is that they come back and and simply better themselves. Hmm. Um, And what do you think it's done for, like, in terms of professional development? I mean, that phrase sounds so sort of lame and corporate (laughs) speak. But in terms of, like... uh, you know, forwarding people's careers or creating longevity in the industry. What do you feel like? Do you hear from people on that topic of what it does for their experience as a monger? Totally. So let's unpack that for a little bit. Mm. Um, First, what I think it does is it actually really builds camaraderie in the shop. Mm. Because what I'm discovering is these cheesemongers don't prepare for this in a bubble they prepare for it with their colleagues and peers right and that's happened more and more I feel like I've heard over the years so like so like there's like I hear there's a bell when you hit a cut a perfect pound quarter pound in your shop and when you're developing your perfect beverage plate and bite it's something you do amongst as a group as a group Um, so so there's there's that there's the networking that occurs. Mm-hmm. So what I've seen is that for those cheesemongers looking to develop a career in cheese, mm. what's happened is, is that the connections that they've made at CMI have then allowed them to uh, create a, a career for themselves. Um, mm. You know, they have to do the work, they have to make right. it happen, but it's it's this intimate form right. that then spotlights them. Um, I've seen finalists like literally get offered jobs like the day after. Wow. Um, I've seen winners um, get crazy cool press, mm-hmm. um, make a crazy good name for themselves. Um, so I think, and then there's just like the the the. The milestone of self, the challenging mm-hmm. of self, which I think is the, like to me the most important part. Mm-hmm. That like CCP really important, really valuable um, personal milestone, personal goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've noticed is that a lot of cheesemongers seem to put this in like that bucket. That like yeah. first I'm going to do my CCP, right. then I'm going to go compete in the cheesemonger invitational. Right. Um, so I think it's 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 something to look forward to. It's something to work towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, and then like what happens after? I mean. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, like, the, the, I mean, the, I mean, to, to put it simply, like, I know you because of cheese mango. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. Um, and like, it tickles my heart. Like when I'm at like one of these trade shows and mm-hmm. I see cheesemongers mm-hmm. that I know met at CMI. Yeah. Because like one's from this state, the other's from that state, and there they are walking down the aisle. Yeah. And their friendship began at CMI. Yeah, and camaraderie is so important too. I mean, you do, as a monger, I feel like one of the fun things is you have it with your team, but just being able to connect with other people who work the same type of job and ha- and deal with the same type of challenges, but in another setting, sort of has this whole other benefit package to it in terms of like, problem solving, different ways of doing things, like, you know, one of the things, yeah, and one of the things that I find sort of frustrating about the food industry in general uh, is that I feel like everybody just is sort of like experiencing the same problems over and over again, like, a lot of times, everyone's learning the same hard lessons instead of just like, let's learn it once as an industry, and then like, make sure nobody has to go through that again, you know? 
Totally. Yeah. Um, which is like, um, I wish I could expand CMI to like two education days yeah. where like one day is actually focused more, more towards on like the ops. best practices, yeah. ops, and things of that nature. You know, the crazy, I, I think that's a great idea, especially because there just really aren't that many resources in terms of like what is standard operating procedure for these scenarios that every retail monger is running into, you know? And, and I think also like a safe space to talk about that is interesting because people get shy or, or, or self-conscious. Like, am I doing it wrong? I don't know. I think I wash my knives right, but who knows? <laughs> totally. I mean, what's crazy though, is if you think about it, that like 10 years ago, like there was, there was like not even as even less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was, it was like nothing. You stodged, you went to right. work right. at Formaggio kitchen. You went to work at Zingerman's. You went to work at Neil's yard. Right. So you learned on the job. I mean, what's crazy now is the proliferation of how many counters there are and how many yeah. pitfalls there actually can be right. uh, today as, as there was in the past. I think the stage is such a good point too. And I'm sure like, I, I wonder if there have been some that have come out of CMI. I bet there have like, Oh yeah, there definitely has. I, um, I went and, I, st- I did like a two-day little visit to Zingerman's when I was first coming up as a monger to like see, to hang out at their counter, learn what they did, kind of like see how they did it. And I mean, there were like half a dozen things that I took with me in opening shops just from that experience of like, oh, I know a great way to do this because I saw them do it. Such a good point. Yeah, I mean, and that's... I mean, that's what I guess I hope, I hope CMI can continue to do is kind of bridge, yeah. bridge community, right? So like, you know, and, and not only bridge community, like it's, what's really nice is to like see like independence interact with mm. especially, re, especially supermarkets and mm-hmm. kind of like, um, cross sh- that divide a little, cr- yeah, little olive branch of a, yeah, yeah just uh, like let it be about like the people and the cheese and mm. not about like the corporate entity and, right. and the, the angst or anger that comes along with that. That's such a good point. So what would you say has been, what's the biggest challenge for you in producing these events? <laughs> the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge. Or if it's changed, what what did it used to be and what is it now? Um, well, some of the cha- – well, so lo- log- logistics mm. is a big deal. There's a You're lot the of- logistics king. I know. Well, <laughs> I, um, I don't want to be called a king. I would say I am definitely a logistics master, if that's yeah. even better or worse. I logistics don't know. guru. How yeah, a logistics specialist. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts to it. Mm. So that's challenging. Um, keeping it authentic – so mm-hmm. wanting to like make sure each round really kind of judges a key characteristic of being a cheesemonger mm-hmm. and, and making sure that that's fair, reasonable, and accurate. Right. Um, scoring it fairly, right? Judges are subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cool things that I think I've been able to do um, over the years is the judges have evolved from like, let's say, being like cheese um, famous people mm-hmm. to uh, – Previous winners and/or strong contestants. Nice. Right. So, so the majority of the cheesemongers, uh, the majority of the judges are cheesemongers, former cheesemongers, like um, specifically winners and/or top finishers. That's great. Um, so I think I think because um, judging, like I said, is subjective, right? Like right. how do you like like one person's salesmanship is not yeah. perception of salesmanship is not the same as the other. Um, so so that's been a really big challenge. Um, the the you know. Um, uh, one challenge um, will be staying sober this time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I historically got pretty 
wasted. Right. I mean, this it started as a party. It started as a party. Right. Um, so that's that's for me going into San Francisco. It's a pretty interesting mm-hmm. challenge to to stay sober. Is this going to be your first CMI sober? No. This will be it? my second. Second. Yeah. I did CMI Chicago sober. Okay. But I was in a really really bad mental state. It was so. a hard a hard sober. Yeah, I was like white knuckling it, you know. Um, that, like, there's a thing called a sober bottom, and I was pretty dark and deep in the sober mm. bottom. Um, and yeah, and then I canceled New York, mm. um, which I at the time like blamed it on the venue mm-hmm. issue, but yeah, the truth was that I was just suffering from really bad depression. And yeah, you weren't out of the bottom of that bucket yet. I I I believed it would kill me, hmm. um, or I would kill myself. Right if I had to try to produce it. Hmm. So just from the stress or from yeah. the temptation or just like the setting that stress. you weren't used to yet. Yeah. My, the, t- the temptation wasn't really part of it. It was more like I just, um, when I got, when I hit 90 days of sobriety, I went into a really dark depression and I was there for like three months. Wow. And, um, I started catastrophizing everything. Like hmm. I just thought like the FDA was coming after me. The IRS was coming after me. Um, I was failing my, my marriage. My, fa- I was just, everything was, everything was bad. Like, right. and, um, and I just didn't think I'd be able to pull off CMI at, at the level that I really felt hmm. that we've grown accustomed to, to doing. Right. So, um, and so like disappointing, disappointing the cheesemongers, disappointing the hosts, disappointing the ticket buyers, just all like, yeah, I was just terrified. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, I was, you know, this might be a little taboo to say, but like I, 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 for a few months, like really just thought about killing myself almost every day. Like, Jeez. It, it was, it was horrible. It's really bad. How did you, how did you emerge from that? Um, I emerged from it through the grace of God, uh, a strong AA program, mm. uh, an incredible psychiatrist that mm. readjusted my brain meds and then like let that work. Um, I did this, uh, I did this interesting therapy called, uh, TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation, Okay, which was like really weird. It was like, a 36 sessions, uh-huh. uh, five days a week where they wow. put a gigantic magnet against my brain Whoa. and pulsed my brain for 18 minutes. Oh my gosh. That was pretty crazy, man. Um, would it, it feel, what did that feel like? Like a woodpecker on your, on your brain. Oh my God. Yeah. And did you feel, was it disorienting? Like, how did that play into things afterwards? No, I would say it was kind of stimulating. Hmm. Um, and, like, the interesting thing is I don't know how much of that specifically had an impact on me coming yeah. out of my depression, but but it, I would say that it was the combination of, right, an incredible sports system, that like, good brain meds that actually, like, we figured out and calibrated to me, Um yeah, exercise. Hmm. Um, what kind of exercise? Oh, I hate exercising. I, I mean, I, n- <laughs> not enough. I just like to picture people exercising, so I yeah. want to know what you do. So I, uh, the first thing I did was I bought these really cool running shoes that I'm wearing oh, right now. Showing them to me now. They look yeah. great. They're black. They're, They're really, pretty really, low profile. They look good. Really comfy. Um, I was supposed to run, <laughs> but running turned into a brisk walk. Hey, you know, that works. Um, so a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like the extent of my, <laughs> that was the extent of my exercise. I really kind of fought the exercise part, uh-huh. um, which I've, I've since relieved myself from. So like now I do Tai Chi. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is really awesome. It's a lot harder than I thought it 
would be? I feel like moving slow, and I can, from knowing you, I can, I can see why this might be hard. It's like mo- when, when you have to move slow and focus, I think that can be some of the most excruciating, sort of like challenging work. It is. Especially for someone who's like, go, 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 and used to like a very full plate and kind of, it, it always felt like you were, you thrived on kind of like the intensity of having a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, that was also, I would say, um, indicative of me being in active addiction, mm. actually, because yeah. like yeah. I'm not... One of the interesting things that people keep commenting on as they as they spend time with me today is that I'm apparently a lot more calm. Yeah, you do. You do seem more calm. Um, which is like really <laughs> funny to me because like I don't really notice it. So you don't feel that. I mean, I work really hard to be present, mm. right? So like I actually like pray every day now mm. bef- when I wake up and when I go to bed on my knees. Wow. Yeah, it's part of it's part of my my sobriety program. Yeah, it's like really important to surrender and recognize a higher power. And um, prayer is such a meditative act. I feel like people are so into meditation, you know, that they kind of separate it from. They can separate meditation as this spirituality thing, separate from religion. But religion is like sort of based on this type of meditation, which is prayer. Yeah, and that's the thing. So, like, it, it turns out that. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say this, but so I'm I'm, a, I'm actually a proud member of AA, mm-hmm. um, and and the program is really spiritual. Yeah. Like it's actually like it's it's so not what it looks like on huh. TV. Yeah, um, and it's a twelve step program. And twelve step programs, there's a ton of twelve step programs, and there's mm-hmm. for all different things. Right. Um, but but AA is like the OG of twelve step. Yeah, they like they, they, they brought it. They they they, they made it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, is that out of the 12 steps, the first step is the one that talks about alcohol. Hmm. Two through 12, excuse me, have nothing to do with alcohol. Interesting. It has to do with like giving your will over to God as you hmm. understand him in a spiritual context. It has to talk about like um, character defects, huh. uh, making amends, right. uh, prayer meditation, being of service to others. Like it really has nothing to do with alcohol. Interesting. It's more about this like redefining sort of like your spiritual place in the world, it sounds like. Yeah, well, it's like developing tools to help you be present and manage anxiety, hmm. right? Because like that's, in, in, in retrospect, like a large part of my active addiction was because like I actually was like really uncomfortable with myself hmm. and like was like really had a ton of like anxiety and trauma and like, yeah. so like learning and like, and then a numbing agent, right? So like, right. Uh, you know, I was 26 years in active addiction. Um, so coming out of that, like I had to like learn how to feel mm. and how to like handle my feelings mm. um, and how to handle anxiety. And in handle- a totally different way without your normal sort of vices. Correct. Correct. Right. So it was like, um, it was, I don't know, really, I don't know. And like the prayer thing, by the way, is also about gratitude. Mm. So like a lot of, a lot of the prayers is not like, God help me. It's more like um, I'm thankful for the people I work with. I'm thankful for having a bed to sleep in. I'm thankful for right. my wife. I'm thankful for hmm. um, an opportunity to come on cutting the curd with you. Yeah. You know? So, like, gratitude practice is, like, a really huh. important part of, of, of my sobriety. Yeah, and I also think that that act alone can help you be so much more present. It's like you could so, over, so easily overlook all those little things 
Yeah, I mean, I did. Like, that's the thing I did, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, what's crazy is, like, you were, you were talking before about, like, how, like, Tai Chi, you would imagine me being difficult with Tai Chi because, like, mm-hmm. I have to slow down. And, like, I, for so long, was just so on the go. Like, yeah. I was never in the moment. I never, like, for all of the Cheesemonger Invitationals or, 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 or accomplishments with Columbia Cheese and Larkin, like, mm-hmm. I wasn't enjoying those milestones. Mm-hmm. I wasn't reveling in that success. I was, like, just moving, man. Like, mm-hmm. oscillating at... at at, at a very high frequency, pun intended, um, and and not um, enjoying the moment, being present, having having meaningful connections, and like mm. what's interesting is like that's to me like what life is all about. That's what being like being a cheesemonger like you are able to give a consumer a meaningful connection mm. to not just food but terroir yeah. tradition. And then their senses, like we all now are so desensitized. And right. so like what's so cool about being a cheesemonger and what's so cool for me about being in sobriety is that like I'm now making meaningful connections. Mm-hmm. I like, I'm like looking you in the eye right now yeah. and where I like, I'm like connected with you. But to be blunt, like the last time I was on cutting the curd, all I was thinking about was my next drink and mm-hmm. when I could smoke again. So yeah. like... Like my brain doesn't totally different. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't go there anymore. Like I'm just like here. That's so great. I want to talk right after this quick break that we're going to take. I want to talk more about how that has changed your experience in hosting these sort of community based events that you do. So listeners, hang tight. We'll be right back with more from Adam Moskowitz. Cool. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Huertas. Huertas serves Basque-influenced fare, evoking the lively eating and drinking culture of northern Spain and creatively inspired by our home in NYC. Consider Huertas for your next event. Their private room is perfect for work dinners, baby showers, and birthday parties. There's even a small patio attached. Learn more at huertasnyc.com. That's H-U-E-R-T-A-S-N-Y-C.com. All right. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm Elena Santiate, and I'm here with Adam Moskowitz. Before the break, we were talking about you know your experience with sobriety and how much it has changed kind of like your daily habits and also your approach. And I'm curious to hear what that has meant for how you experience, you know, it, it sounds like the next, this, this upcoming CMI is going to be a different experience for you. You're no longer at that like bottom sobriety, but you've hosted events at the barnyard, um, you know, in the past few months and how are you experiencing? Uh-huh. Yeah. Those yeah. are, those are strategic see, warmups. See how it feels. Yeah. So I mean, how did it feel? Uh, surprisingly good. Yeah. I, you know, to host events where you're like giving away like free beer, shout out to Goose Island. Um, <laughs> there's definitely some apprehension. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you know, was, when it came to smoking weed, like, very flagrant. Mm -hmm. Like, I, like, smoked weed everywhere, all the time, in your face, in my barnyard, (laughs) on stage. Like, I was, like, I thought I was single-handedly responsible for, like, (laughs) normalizing marijuana consumption. Um, So... Uh, I was, I was, I've, I've definitely been apprehensive about, Mm. um, 
what hosting events would be like, especially because I think it also my my addiction was like wrapped up with my identity, which mm. often happens that yeah. like I kind of like let like being like this crazy drinking, smoking party animal be kind of like part of who I am. Yeah, it's so like, like what people expected. So yeah. if you didn't deliver, what was that going to be like? Totally. And what I think happened mm-hmm. was that the mood of the room shifted. Hmm. Um, it seemed like everybody kind of, or and, and again, this is also like my perception because I was wasted, so I don't really know what it was yeah. like before. Yeah. But I, I, I sense that the, the temperament of the room was a little bit more um, classy, mm-hmm. um, uh, condensed, um, not not volatile. Because mm-hmm. um, that was the other thing. Like I, I, I used to hold on to a lot of resentment and anger mm-hmm. and an attitude um, and would freely speak my mind about the people or the places or the things that I just didn't really have respect for. Well, and also you're like putting yourself in this really public sort of like group atmosphere and you're kind of like creating a situation where you're sort of a raw ball of nerves, right? Yep. And then of course it's like you're easily sort of jolted in terms of either a a slight or a perceived slight or something, you know, I could see how that would... And I'd let that, be, and I'd be like too vocal about it, right? Mm. So like I, I, I definitely, in retrospect, feel like I've disrespected people, um, which is, you know, part of sobriety is like recognizing your character defects, and then and then ideally making amends. And mm. I've and I've been like I've been I've been emailing and calling people and 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 realizing um, my mistakes and hmm. and asking for forgiveness um, or not even asking for forgiveness just like giving an earnest apology because um, I, I don't even it's like it's up to them whether they forgive me or not and, and I don't want to put the onus on them it's really about mm-hmm. like just being sorry about things I've said or done um, what's really I guess kind of cool is that like despite my behaviors, it seems like I might have made an impact on some people's lives. Hmm. And so what's really exciting for me Mm -hmm. is that if I'm able to do that, then now the question is, what can I do now? Yeah. Because like, you know, when I talk to my, my wife and my, and my staff about like, so like, because I just celebrated a year, uh, January 4th of sobriety. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's huge. It's pretty big deal yeah that's it was, enormous it was really hard but <laughs> but yeah, you did it i did it um you're doing it yeah one day at a time mm-hmm. um it seems that i used to be really volatile like mm-hmm. i could be really aggressive and really um um angry and like i i didn't i, I actually didn't really know that but but I believe everybody that cares yeah. about me. Um, and so like what's interesting now is that like my wife, my staff, uh, my friends, they tell me now that like they're not afraid to tell me things mm. where they used to be kind of on eggshells regarding. So like they can rely on you a little more. Yeah, I'm showing way? I'm more present. I'm, yeah. more, I'm more I'm more there for them. Right. I'm more, um, I, don't, I don't know the right word, but yeah, I, I, I'm mm. showing up for them mm. um, now in a much better way. So... My point is bringing it to CMI yeah. um, and and or my daily my daily practice is that like now I'm like really excited because I think if I in fact have helped people in the past in terms of inspiring them or um, uh, educating them 
for me now that I could be more present and more more polite and more uh, connected. Mm. It's, it's exciting to see like what I'll be able to do. Yeah. Have you found that you've had a different approach in preparing for this year's CMI? Like you, you mentioned there's new components that you've added to it this year. Like, are you, do you feel you have more mental space to think big about like what the event can be or different ways that you can make it meaningful for people? Well, uh, more, I'd say more simply for me is building a team that has mm-hmm. like specialized functions and like are not getting thrown curveballs by right. me. Right, an organized Because my whimsicalness right. of, of however I might have been wasted at the time. Um, you know, I, I um, my wife is now part of the team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a sobriety move. So I was a little afraid to go to San Francisco. Um, Smart move. Bring your support so I, system I, with so you. So I wanted to make sure I had my wife with me, and then um, and then so it was like, oh well, maybe you want to help us, you know, coordinate the event. So so, so what's her role? What's she? she gonna I would be call doing? her the event coordinator. Okay. So she's like uh, the liaison with the hosts, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, Melissa Finch, who works for Columbia Cheese, has kind of been like the the ops person mm-hmm. and. Both of them are like meticulously organized, yeah. um, and so like I, 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 I would say going into this, that we're we're the most prepared we've ever been because mm. we've got a lot of prep work done at Larkin prior to shipping our materials out. That's um, great. We've already printed out like all of the things that needed to be printed. I mean, it's like wow, it's, you are ready. We are really ready. <laughs> I love I love for, that for this. Um, yeah, I mean, we have notes upon notes upon notes upon notes. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, also from like, like, like Lilith Spencer has been responsible for uh, develop evolving the scoring and mm. the judging, and so like I've been able to like, you know, interact with all these specialists or yeah. siloed individuals and 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 be really um, clear, um, patient, mm. and thoughtful with 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 the task at hand. Right. Um, whereas I think in the past I was just like. Like, I don't know, like, just like the Energizer Bunny. Just wild, One idea. Wild, idea. Blah, 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 just <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, and I'm not really all over the place anymore. Yeah. Do you, have you, have you spoken with your staff at length about the difference in your approach? Um, um, I would say more like I just live it. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, you know, I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that, but I'm going to... Well, I'm, like, I'm curious if they have, if you've had conversations with your staff at work that about how your approach has, is so different now or like how they feel about it, what their, what your team's work life has been like since uh, you've become sober. Yeah, well, well, so first let's talk about what I was like. So I... Mm-hmm smoked about an ounce of weed a week wow um and drank daily Mm -hmm. um i had a bottle of basil hayden's on my desk that Mm -hmm. i called breakfast bourbon did you have it at breakfast i would drink it when i so i used to like think i built a layer cake every day like i'd start with a layer of smoke Mm -hmm. then espresso then smoke then Mm -hmm. espresso then lunch where i would get drunk Mm -hmm. and then smoke espresso smoke espresso wow Bourbon, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just like a cake, right? Um, and so, um, I uh, would often like fly off the handle at work because I just was like was out of balance. Right. Um, you know, I would, 
I would, I'm embarrassed to admit it. I would throw things. I've, I've flipped desks. I've, I've broken too many phones. Like hmm. I, you know, they were, I, I, I created, I, I created, a um, fear. Hmm. Oh, man, I created fear and that was not cool. Hmm. Um, on January 4th of last year, I, I, I completely lost my mind. So, like, I actually OD'd on smoking weed, mm. which nobody even thought was possible. Yeah, really? Like, what did that look like? Um, so, like, I, I came down with the flu around Christmas time, mm-hmm. and so I started going on a DayQuil, NyQuil bender, mm. um, stopped eating, and kept smoking, and... Decided to take myself off of Lexapro, which was my my SSRI mm-hmm. for anxiety, and I just like slowly started losing my mind. And what does that look like? So kind of like I started stopped being able to kind of tell the difference between what I was thinking and what I was doing, mm. or what I was saying. That's so disorienting. Um, yeah, I mean the easiest way to kind of describe it would be like if maybe you take too many edibles or or mm-hmm. you take some some mushrooms, um, it just starts to like unravel. Um, on January 4th, I just completely lost it. I mm-hmm. basically told my staff I was leaving work to go kill somebody. Um, and oh my got in my car and drove around Long Island City and thought I was being followed. And so then I shot the person that was following me mm-hmm. with my handgun, um, which this was my handgun. A hand, two fingers, pointer finger and the thumb is what uh, Adam is motioning. So <laughs> listeners, don't worry. So I, I, I Wow, so you were like having a whole like episode. Yeah, so I, I, I then thought I was covered in blood, so I went to my barber shop. Oh my god. Um and tried to get a makeover because I thought I was gonna go on the run and like I got like took my clothes off at the barber shop because I thought I was covered in blood. Hmm. Um, then I thought the cops were coming there, so I went home. Mind you, I'm driving like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Went home um, and um, told my wife I had just killed somebody. Wow. And that she had five minutes to pack up the kids and the dogs oh and we're going God. on the run. Oh, my God. And she was like, you don't have a gun. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I do. It's in the car. Um, so she went down to the car. She didn't find my gun. Mm-hmm. So she came back upstairs and I'm like, no, 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 the gun's under, it's under the dashboard. I hid it under the dashboard with my, with my blood stained clothes. So oh she my went God. back downstairs. There was none there, obviously. Yeah. And then she came back upstairs and that's when she realized like, like I had just lost my mind. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I spent two weeks in, in a psychotic episode. Um, mm-hmm. They wanted to hospitalize me, but God bless my wife. They didn't, she didn't think that would be good for me. Um, so her parents moved in with us and I was wow. on. 24-hour care. Um, that's why I didn't go to Cheesemonger Invitational mm-hmm. last um, last January. Mm-hmm. Um, I I almost hung myself because mm. I was so disappointed in my ability to not go to CMI. Yeah. And I just thought I'd let down everybody. So, like, I heard these voices, like, convincing me to... Um, it was really weird. It was like, I, I, I was like, I'm going to hang myself in the closet. And, and, and this voice was like, nope, if you hang yourself in the closet, you're going to have to take all the coats out. <laughs> oh, and your wife is going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? So that's oh, a bad man. idea. So, so the voice said, um, grab a belt and two books and use the door. Oh, man. Um, so that was terrifying. Um, 
yeah and then like after like two weeks i just like like it kind of felt like i woke up from a dream emerged yeah and like it didn't i didn't know what was real or not real i mean it was really it was really 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 strange um so then, yeah, that's when my sobriety began. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I was like manic for like a month. And then I was like kind of cool for like two more months. And then when I hit my 90 days, I like went to a really dark depression, which was like worse than even the psychosis. Um, and I was there for like three months. Mm-hmm. And God bless my wife because like she just like was there for me and for the kids. And and her parents were with you this whole time? No, just for the first okay. two weeks. Um, the, her parents would come up often in that three-month yeah. period um, yeah. just to kind of give relief because, like, Jessica was basically taking care of um, the two kids and myself. I mean, right. I was like a child. Like, I, like, like I went to, like, so, like, like, I would still go to work. I'd go to work and, like, try to work, but mm-hmm. then, like, call her, hysterically crying, and then, right. like, I would just get in my car and drive around and think about how I could kill myself and... Then, like, I would figure it out, so I'd call her, and she'd be like, oh. you need to come home right now, and, like... Right. So, like, to Sounds answer... Like, like, things were working themselves out of you in such a huge way. Yeah, so brain chemistry, right? Yeah. So, like, neurons that, that fire together, wire together, and I was, like, reworking my entire... Right, my, like a my, whole chemical makeup. I'm yeah, like... Yeah, so... So, to answer your question, like, my staff, like, so an active addiction, I, you know, I think I was, like... A, a volatile, hyper emotional, scary um, person, right? That mm-hmm. was used. I mean, I was smoking weed also, all day. Also lovable. I think that has continued through the whole thing. Yeah. Thank. I mean, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah. I mean, I hope so. I think so. I don't know. I mean, part of like being an addict is like self loathing mm. um, and not really realizing. I don't know, like, yeah, I mean, uh, clearly my staff likes me because, like, they stayed with right. me. They didn't quit, right. you know, it's, but, like... I mean, it's sort of a testament yeah. to there's something in you that was showing up, even if it didn't feel like it or look like it. Yeah, I mean, like, Johnny Johnny likes to say that, like, with charisma, you could get away with murder. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess... It's true. I guess, I mean, that was it, but, um... But so after, like, so, like, so what I put my staff through, like... Like, there's these different phases, right? So, right. like, there was, like, the psychosis phase, and right. then there was, like, the manic phase. Like, I would show up at Larkin at, like, 4.30 in the morning and paint pictures until everybody showed up at work. It was crazy. <laughs> um, and then, like, I would just, like, I would, like, make tea. Like, I, I, or I'd, I'd have Caitlin make me tea, for, like, for a week straight. I mean, it was just, like, ridiculous stuff. Just, like, mm-hmm. just ridiculous. And then and then in the depression, like, was, like, uh, horrible. Like, I was, like, yeah. my staff literally were, like, dude, you look really confused. Like I would like literally, I would just like walk around Larkin and like not like understand like what was going on. And like, I thought like, I literally thought Larkin was like magic. Like I couldn't like, I was like, how does the cheese get to where it's going? Like, why did people send me money? I'm like, I don't understand. What's the meaning of all of this? What's the meaning of all this? And so then like, uh, my incredible staff just like, you know, just persevered through it. And so like, so to answer your question, like now, like mid July, I came out of it. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like s- about six months of like, I, I would say like the best version of myself. Mm. Right? My, my wife says like, you are now living like the best version of yourself. Like this is the thing that like, you're, this is like, you've 
Like, it, this was makes it all worth it in a way. This yeah, past year, like all all the all the Michigas is yeah. gone, and like now right. I'm just like like an empathetic, can't like yeah, like not I don't know. So like so my staff like love me now. Like, yeah. I mean like I mean like <laughs> they, I mean like, they I think they always love me, but like I think they see like a strength in me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I make their work easier now. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I think they're proud of me. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, it's just even nicer to work where where I work. Right. So I think that answers your question. Great answer. Um, (laughs) what are you most looking forward to? Oh man. I'm most looking forward to... Being there for people mm. in a way that's meaningful and earnest. I'm really excited to share my story and hopefully give people an opportunity to share theirs. Mm. Um, I don't know. That's kind of esoteric. I mean, I'm looking forward to, you know, I look forward to one day at a time. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to like, um, I bought my son a, a skateboard yesterday. Oh, fun. And like, I'm looking forward to seeing him skateboard. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the pride in my team. Like my, so like, at Larkin, my warehouse, like it's you know, it's a it's a very thankless business. So like, I'm looking forward to like them getting to enjoy the spotlight of CMI in New York. Mm. Um, the CMI team, like Melissa, Doug, um, my wife, um, I'm looking forward to them feeling the sense of pride mm. that comes with doing this event because like turning the lights on for people's like yeah, really kind of awesome yeah um i'm looking forward like uh, and and in short i'd say i i i think i've made a difference in people's lives while i was in active addiction so now that i'm not Mm. like i'm really excited to like like be there for people Mm. and like be there for the industry and like i want to i want to be a leader leaders lead Mm. i want to be i'm a leader i want to lead i want to um be a, a a a pillar for 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 young people in our industry, for mm. for for not just young people, for anybody in our industry that wants yeah. to be better, you know, like be better personally, um, you know, be better professionally. Um, you know, we got like a, a lot, like there's a lot in front of us, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no like the the industry right now is extremely volatile. This tariff situation is very scary. There's yeah. no, the, you know, there's the the evolution of the independent retailer versus right. the the, the, the corporate retailers, like there's, I don't know, there's like, there's, there's, it's not, the, the, the future's The future's actually, uncertain there. It's, it's not, it's, it's uncertain and it's not very bright, no. you know, like, right. and like, and then like, you know, on, a, on an even bigger level, like the world is a scary place right, right now. Like, like it's terrifying, like, you know, what was, what, what's been going on in California, then like to learn about what's going on in Brazil and mm-hmm. to now like hear what's going on in Australia, like, yeah. like the world is burning and like, you know, our leaders are, 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 are lying and, and cheating and like, really you know, and misleading and like, 
you know, and and so much hate and blaze like inspired. There's so much hate that's like being fostered and 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 emboldened and. Um, so I, I mean, I think I'm most excited to just like be there for people who want what I have. Yeah. Cause I'm ready to give it all away. Like mm. I'm living a life of service moving forward. Mm. I, 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 I'm not motivated by materialistic things anymore. I am motivated by healthy living, mm. um, and a positive state of mind, um, making a difference, right? So, like, making, you know, cheesemongers need to uh, understand that, like, just getting somebody excited about a new cheese right. makes a difference. It does. It's not just a piece it's of not, cheese. Right. It, it's know, so much more. Turning people's, like, senses. So, like, getting people to understand the senses and how they work and how mm-hmm. flavor turns on your senses and connects you to the limbic system and fosters memories and then creates discussion and that's that's how we all become better human beings mm-hmm. that like you know you know baby yoda has stolen the internet right <laughs> but like baby he's ba- so cute so cute but baby yoda represents the force right and what's the force but the force is your senses working in harmony connectedness yeah, yeah. and so like to me the sixth sense is all five senses working in harmony mm. and what cheesemongers literally can do for people is to connect all five of their senses. So you're basically saying that cheesemongers are Jedi Jedi masters. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I think and we, we need a t-shirt, by the way, um, along well, those lines. We could we could work on it. And <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. And if if cheesemongers and, and and an incredible piece of cheese get people to slow down, mm. chew ruminate right. about what they're chewing on. Be present. And then talk about it and use language and evolve their language. Yeah. Like, in, 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 a, in a simple moment, mm-hmm. the world becomes a more meaningful place. I'm with you. I think it starts there. I, it, it is there. I think that's the heart of it. Sometimes we think huge gestures are so necessary or you have to move a mountain, but it's not about that. I think you hit on something true. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as I like to say, like, if you go to, like, Katz's Deli and you order a sandwich, that sandwich is gigantic. Mm-hmm. You cannot eat that sandwich no. in one bite. No. You have to take little bites, but the little <laughs> bites add up. Or, as I like to say, you know, <laughs> I, and, I, like, and I truly experienced this in, in my depression that, like, at moments it's just a battle of inches, like just inches. I just like, need to get right. one more inch. But guess what? The inches add up. Inches mm-hmm. turn into feet. Feet turn into yards. Yards turn into miles. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, you're not even thinking about how much you've traveled because you're just wonderfully living just in the moment. Hmm. That's a good point. I like yeah. that. Cool. What can? What do you think you need from this professional community, from the cheese world, that maybe you didn't realize you needed or you didn't think you needed? What do you feel like could help you? Well, I mean, I've already got it. I mean, I, I'm blown away by the support I've gotten online in terms of my sobriety. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, I think there's a thirst for knowledge and understanding. Um, I guess I wish, if there was one thing I wish the industry was more doing Mm -hmm. would be seeking the truth Mm. versus like knee-jerking putting uh, a shine on it yeah you know like this year like there's been some issues with let's say pathogen and it seems like 
too often our industry wants to like point the figure at FDA like it's FDA's fault that mm. I have listeria. <laughs> it's like <laughs> is it? Is it really? <laughs> you know, um I, I wish I wish, you know, or like I go out of I'm going out of business because big box retailers sell cheese. Like right. n- no Is it that's, that simple. It's really not that simple. You're going out of business for a multitude of reasons that could include that, mm-hmm. but you know, that's when you pivot or or you be creative, Mm -hmm. like innovate or die. So like, I wish like our industry, I what I'd like our industry to be is like a little bit more honest with themselves Mm. and what's going on. So we could like learn from it. Right. So like, instead of being like, Oh man, like, like (laughs) they're putting me out of business. It's like, no, like what can we do? Yeah. Maybe train your staff better. Maybe you yourself work on the counter more, Mm. or maybe like, develop a a catering business or like you know do more classes or like don't open up too many shops at once like maybe just like stay with one shop you don't need four shops you know what i mean or like don't open up a restaurant on top of your like like there's all these other reasons that like that like I just wish our industry would be more honest about and then like and and teach about it right? right that like i'm not i'm not trying to like like be mean about it. Like I, no, I, but it's back I, to that idea of like, why do we keep like uh, struggling with the same problem over and over again? Exactly. Because, because the people making mistakes are not being honest about mm-hmm. their mistakes and then sharing what they've learned. Right. It's a like, good point. I, I mean, I'm here doing it. Right. Like, you know, I mean, it like, goes back to this idea of like really being connected to the truth and being able to face that in your day to day and then actually talk about it in a productive way. I think. We could all learn a lot from your sobriety. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, look, anybody out there struggling with, with addiction or mental health, find me. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. I, I, will, I will gladly talk to you about what I've experienced, what's working for me, and, and show you or provide you with some tools that might help you. I mean, that's, I mean if that's the least I could do, like, that's, that's service. Yeah, that's and, huge. And it's huge. Adam, thank you so much for coming on air today. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. This was an amazing conversation. I feel like so lucky that you've opened up in this way and told us about your experience. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah. I mean, you guys you guys have seen, I mean, anybody who's listening has definitely <laughs> seen the, 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 the wilder side of me. So, like, now hopefully you could see um, this side of me. Yeah. And, and, and to anybody out there who I might have hurt, during my active addiction, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. um, and 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 I mean that, and um, and feel free to like when you see me, like come up to me and and tell me how you feel, because I will I will listen mm-hmm. and I will I will land, um, and and I do care. Um, so God bless you all. All right. Well, thanks again. Congratulations on your one year mark. Thank you. Good luck with CMI coming up. Mubama. <laughs> Listeners, tickets are still available for Cheesemonger Invitational happening on January 19th in San Francisco. Head to cheesemongerinvitational.com to buy tickets today. And thanks for listening, everyone. Keep an eye on your feed next week for the next episode of Cutting the Curd. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. 
Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>